Hello and welcome to the Runners of the Bay podcast. This is Mimi here with Bridget. Really, really on the struggle bus today. A little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Two people sitting in the heart of Silicon Valley. I've literally spent my whole day um, like talking to people who are working in AI and doing research about AI. And it took, I had to restart my computer. We had to like open this browser like six different times. And it's just that really boring, like kind of Zoom conversation. Can you hear me? No, I can't hear you. Can you hear me? And we're doing like hand signals, like up, down. Okay, I'll log in. I'll log back out. I think it's it ridiculous. goes to show it doesn't matter <laughs> if you are in Palo Alto or Menlo Park or like the middle of the woods somewhere. Like it's just. <laughs> Yeah. And it's the same platform. We use the same microphones. Like, why is it always just like, uh, I don't know, we'll try. (laughs) Is it going to work today? (laughs) There aren't that many variables. I know. Yeah. (laughs) But here we are. But we made it happen. (laughs) We did. Here we are. So we were just chatting a little bit about Halloween. Halloween was last night. Um, You had what looked like some fun decorations. Tell, Tell us about those. Yeah, I've never really been a Halloween person, but this year it kind of got thrown out in my family as a challenge of like, what would it look like to try to do Halloween in a way that like everybody could get into it? And so it started off with, I got my hands on these 12 foot skeletons that Home Depot makes. Oh, I was going to say, as one does, you just, what was like a buy nothing Menlo Park Facebook group? (laughs) As one does. Um, it's like a thing. Like people would like stop and be like, how did you find that? And I'd be like, I just went into Home Depot. And they're like, do they still have them? <laughs> it's like a whole, I don't know. It was funny. Um, but I didn't want them to be creepy skeletons. So I like made little pumpkin spice, uh, you know, to-go cups for them. I put them in vests and scarves. I put sunglasses over their creepy eyes. Um, they were cute. And then it really just like took off from there. Um, but my like neighborhood, this is the first year I've, I've done Halloween in this, in this neighborhood. I'm, I'm in Menlo Park. And... It was really freaking cute. Everyone got like was doing just kind of in their front yard, like all the adults were doing their own little hangouts and then the kids were just running around, but it felt very like wholesome. And there was a, around the corner, there were people that had a whole like really impressive setup in their garage where they were playing music. They were making pizzas. It was like a scene from a movie. So... It was good. It was really good vibes. How about you? Did you go trick-or-treating? That's awesome. Yes. We took Ellie trick-or-treating. This is her second Halloween, but she was like six weeks old last year. Um, yeah. So like, and she was kind of a blob dressed as a pumpkin a year ago. And this year she was a little kitty cat. I got like the cutest picture of her and her cat friends uh, from daycare. Like so cute. Hmm. So we decided to, we're in downtown Palo Alto, like Professorville, a couple blocks over is kind of the hot spot. And so we just followed the kids. (laughs) Like we'll follow the kids wherever they go. (laughs) And so we see this line like around the block. It starts at like Channing and Webster. It's across street and it's going like all the way up to this other street. Like just, Mm -hmm. we don't know where it begins or I guess we knew where it began, but we don't know where it ends. And so we walk and we're just kind of like following the line we're not waiting in the line. No way are we waiting in that line. Mm-hmm. But I guess yeah. it was Marissa Mayer's house and she does this huge oh, thing. Yes. Yeah, it's a thing. We're like the garage or whatever. I don't know. One part of her compound. Um, yeah. It just looks like a candy store. Like there are just shelves and shelves of candy. But then there are these kids walking out with like stuffed animals and toys. And we're just like, <laughs> I was like, 
sorry, Ellie. We are never in a million years waiting in line for that. Like it's just, but it was, it was intense. And then it was just cute. It was sort of the same thing, like just very wholesome, very, like a lot of kids, you know, not all houses participated, but just people sitting in their front lawns, giving out candy, some houses having little like parties. And it was just like, oh, I guess this is the one, one day a year where like you meet your neighbors like yeah. <laughs> when yeah. everyone's out, it yeah. sort of just feels like a block party. Exactly. Yeah. We've been here for months and like that was everybody when I was coming up, they're like, oh, we've been looking at your skeletons for like the like the last few weeks. Like so fun and nice to meet you. And I was like, like, this is great. Like yeah. this is this is That's, perfect. Okay. Like, it's really felt- nice. Yeah. I lived yeah. in Menlo Park for over six years and never like met any neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> like definitely didn't trick or treat by myself. Yeah. So the other thing, like, Ellie didn't really want to go up and walk to the houses, but we would, right. we would like, Chris would like hold her over and have her pick out a piece of candy from the basket. And then we like coached her to like drop it in the little bag. And so then, but then by like the, the second house, she was a pro. She like picked up the candy, dropped it in the bag. And then this morning she wanted to pick up the candy, drop it in the bag. So she's Repetition. like a trained dog. <laughs> good, yeah. good dog. <laughs> Good girl. Good girl. Good Good kitty cat. Good kitty cat. So it was good fun. Um, Yeah. What else is going on? Running wise, Uh, not running wise. We had a really fun group run with O Run Club. Uh, Mimi got lost. (laughs) I got Um, very lost. I have no sense of direction. I was running with a friend who's a newer runner. you know, no one left behind. And so she peeled off and I was trying to catch up to the group and I just ended up running an extra three miles thinking I was like (laughs) going to catch up. And basically I think Bridget was ready to like call the police, call out like a search team because (laughs) I was like, where are you? Well, you called and you're like, I'm at Alameda. And I was like, no, I was not. Okay. Okay. Cause I was like, that is like very far from. And also like, I was not at Alameda. I was thinking, I was looking at the map wrong. I was like about to go to anyways. Yeah. So I even gave you the wrong location. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. But it was great. But it was fun. And we had good, good donuts. Um, I think, I don't know if you had this experience, but I definitely had the experience of like, oh, it is really fun to run with people. You know, I run by myself all the time. And for the most part, I like it. I do podcasts. I'm listening to a meeting. I'm I'm listening to an audiobook. It's multitasking and that works for me. But I miss out on, um, especially on an easy day, just the, the serendipity, the kind of just shared experience of this. Um, and that was, it was really nice to tap back into that. Yeah. It was great. I got to catch up with people after, but it was, I agree. Yeah. Um, It's been nice. I would say most of my long runs for for Berlin were with people. Yeah. And that just made it so much better. So, well, this is a really, really fun episode with Zach Litoff. Um, Zach, who won the Twilight 5000 um, at Keysar in San Francisco and then came back and paced... Uh, and by one, I mean like I consider him winning the whole thing because he won the fastest heat. Um, so he is the winner and then came back and, and paced Oakland. And Zach is just super, a super interesting guy. He's a supremely talented artist. And it was really fun to hear his story, hear his background with running and just kind of like geek out a little bit about 
art and design and the intersection of that with with the running world. Yeah, I agree. Um, the things that I that I've thought about a lot from this conversation are, you know, Zach, someone who like he liked running, but I think he the competitive part wasn't wasn't always there. And he talks about how like trampoline tricks actually like led him to become a steeplechaser. And how, you know, he kind of chose Santa Clara as his college because it felt more like an underdog program at the time and one that was really invested in having fun. I don't know if, you know, people are aware of the uh, the photos that the track and cross country team take, but they've become kind of legendary. And we talk a lot about, you know, him in that period of time helping develop that culture, helping develop what is now an extremely excellent um, and highly competitive team. But at the time when he was there was had those aspirations, but was kind of figuring out. And so developing that sense of self and he took on leadership roles in that. And, you know, the creativity and the running is, is definitely at the crux of this conversation. But it's a great conversation about someone who thinks deeply about running, thinks deeply about how running helps him in all aspects of life. And... And, and putting putting joy at the at the front of it all. Um, and I love that. So enjoy this conversation with Zach Litoff. Okay, welcome to the Runners of the Bay podcast. Today we're so excited to have Zach Litoff join us. Uh, well, we first, we sort of first got on our radar at the Twilight 5000 race in San Francisco where you just like won the whole dang thing. And then you paced in Oakland and then we saw sort of like see your art and the cool stuff you were doing. And we were like, we got to have Zach on the show. So welcome, Zach. We're so happy to have you here. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for having me. I'm honored, honored to be here. Thank you. Awesome. Well, just one way we like to get started is did you run today? I did. I actually did a workout this morning. I did a 10K threshold. So the way I usually do runs is I kind of just start running and then decide what I want to do once I'm running. So today kind of lined up to be a workout day and I just started running threshold pace and kept going until I felt like stopping. So that was my day. Are you training for anything? Yes and no. I haven't. I don't have a specific race on my calendar. I'm in like a big figuring out what I want to train for in my life goals situation at the moment. But my like short-term plan is to try to rally some of my friends to go and run some indoor meets somewhere. And I think my ideal race would be somewhere in Boston because I've always wanted to run on that indoor track and everybody runs so fast. And I feel like after graduating college, like sometimes it can be like scary to go after PRs because you were training so hard and so seriously. And I definitely, I feel like my indoor times are my easiest ones and ones that I care the least about. So it's like, if I don't PR or do PR, it's like, doesn't matter. I can just go have fun and run indoor track. So I love that approach. I think it's, I think it's so smart. Like I, I, we often hear from like, you know, road runners that do the same thing, but like do it, do it with the trails. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, I know what my half marathon time is, but if I do yeah. it on the trail, then it's like, I'm not married to this. Yeah. It changes. Like it's mm-hmm. indoor also feels like a party. Indoor is a party. It's just <laughs> short laps. There's everyone's around you all the time. You kind of feel like you're in Mario Kart. Just like yep. <laughs> it's a good time. I never raced on an indoor track, but where okay. I went to college, they had like a, like a, yeah, my daughter is, uh, she's trying to talk about her indoor track experience. Yeah. Um, but they had like a banked indoor track that was like okay. a balcony. 
That's it was fun. bizarre, but I liked it. <laughs> Did anyway. you go to school in so, California? New York City. New York City. Okay. Because I, yeah. I barely ran indoor as well because I was in California and I feel like outdoor season just starts so early because you it can because the weather's so nice. And like we took outdoor more seriously. So the second we could race outdoor, we would start doing it. So I would run like just a few indoor races every year. And it was always like more of a party than a like serious trying to qualify for something. Yeah. Well, before we get into your college experience, Mm -hmm. like what was kind of an early memory of running and kind of your relationship with sports as a kid? Yeah. I, I didn't start running until high school, which I feel like is something that's relatively common amongst like American runners at least. Um, so like my early sports endeavors was all soccer was the sport I took really seriously. I played basketball. I skied. I was really into like trampoline tricks. It wasn't really a sport, cool. but me and my friends yeah. made YouTube videos doing crazy flips. If you dig enough online, you might find that. But I always kind of knew in soccer, like what I was good at was the running aspect of it. Like I played midfield for a while. And then as I got more serious, I switched to defense just because like I could be the last resort. And if someone got by us, I could catch up to them. And then kind of in high school, I had the hard choice to make between if I wanted to pursue soccer or go into track. And my whole family had run cross country and track. My dad had like gone and pushed into college and run past that and run some really impressive times. And my mom had run after college and run some impressive times. So I kind of had this like family history of running, but I didn't really want to follow in their footsteps. I kind of wanted to play soccer, but I also knew that like I was small and was going to get pushed around and I wasn't actually that good at soccer. And I felt like I could be really good at track. So my first year of running was like very rebellious. I would like run into the woods and sit down and like play on my phone. <laughs> and like, I, I quit track after the first race. Cause I ran and I was like, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't know why I was just young and rebellious. I feel like that's a common sentiment. But as I started to take it more seriously is when I fell more in love with it. And I feel like my friends, all my like friend group started being people on the team. And like, we had a really like cool friendship that wasn't all based around running, but we happened to all be on the team, which is, I feel like something you get in the running world as well, which is really cool. And it kind of like, begin to develop my love for the running community. And then from there, it was just like, how far can I push it? And my times were never that impressive throughout high school. So I didn't really think of running in college until the very end. And then like I ran some good times at the last minute that gave me some some opportunities to run in college at different schools and settled on always... I always kind of wanted to come to California. So I settled on Santa Clara in South Bay and loved it. That's great. I love, I love, you mentioned like that you felt like your running relationships, even early on in high school, mm-hmm. had more to them than just, than just running. Like, yeah. what did that, like, are you trampolining? Like, what did that actually like look like? Yeah. Well, I guess as I look back on it, the like people I made trampoline videos with, we joined a, a run club when we were in middle school through the elementary school in our area. Mm. But it was trained for... So I grew up in Boulder, Colorado and they had a like Boulder, Boulder training run club. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, where you would go and run. It was like a two mile loop and a five mile loop. And like, it wasn't just elementary school kids. It was like all local like public schools could go to it. And like some parents would go and it was just like, we'd go on Wednesdays, Wednesday mornings and we'd go like run five miles and just make... And it's like now very normal to me because that's what I do like all the time is show up to group runs or run with my friends. And But it was like, that was a very like new thing to me, especially coming from soccer that was all competitive and serious. And this was just like a, I'm going to... And then when we'd go to the Boulder Boulder, we'd dress up in costumes and we'd like stop at all the slip and slides and, you know, eat bacon. And we, it was like <laughs> a very fun side of running, especially to get into yeah. as like a little kid. So like in the beginning, it was all about the team and less about actually running. And then as I joined... Like all my friends, none of my friends were on the soccer team. Everyone was on the running team. Boulder has a very like running centric 
relationship. And I feel like it's causes a lot. Like our team had in high school had like a hundred and something people on it. Hmm. So like, it was like a, just a very fun environment. Um, that's, that's so, that's so fun. I love, yeah. I love the playfulness, like Boulder, Boulder, Matt mm-hmm. Reese and, um, and Beta Breakers, like are two mm-hmm. races that I know of. I'm sure there are so many more, but like have yeah. such that fun, playful silliness. And I, I yeah. love the idea of like getting in to that side of running as a kid. Cause you know, there's so many stories of getting really attached to times early on and then that burnout and like trying to refine the love. And it sounds like you, had the love and then maybe at Santa Clara, some of the like competitive stuff starts yeah, coming up. Definitely. I feel like it wasn't that. I mean, I, I think the learning the competitive side was actually probably a lot harder for me than the learning mm. to love it, which I don't know if yes. that's normal or not. But like I, in high school, I would get so stressed out about races because like it was this thing for me that was all very fun. And now it was very serious. And it was like, yeah. if I did bad, it like, what, I mean, the same reason everyone gets scared about cross country races, but like, if, you know, the team cares and like we had all goals and like, like pressure on you individually, which is probably really good for someone at a young age to kind of learn that. But yeah. So as as I got into college, it was like it was definitely good to have the love as the base and then like learn how to be competitive and learn how to care about times and those yeah. things. And and now I'm going through the same transition of like where I want yeah. to be in that. It's yeah. like I know I love it and I also know how to be competitive. So like what side of the of the running world do I want to like find myself? Yeah. Well, it sounds like you had a really good experience at Santa Clara, but I'm curious, like, how did you, was Santa Clara kind of the only California school that you mm-hmm. interviewed at? How did you kind of pick that team? And then tell us yeah. about kind of the team culture and, and your experience. Yeah. So I looked at a couple of schools from the beginning. I was mainly looking at D3 schools just because that's where my times were. And that's kind of where I thought I was. But I started looking at more D1 schools and towards the end of my senior year because I ran better times in track and it became more of an opportunity. Um, but the entire time, the one D1 school I was looking at was Santa Clara just because the head coach had like reached out to me when I like didn't have times fast enough to run on their team even. So I'm still a little confused on why he reached out to me. But um, <laughs> and so he kind of been there from the beginning. So then as I started looking at bigger schools that were like more established. I had already kind of, I'd already gone on a visit at Santa Clara and the team had kind of sold me on this idea of like, we're not very good right now, but we want to be and we can be in the future. And they were like, we're going to be the like giant killers and we're going to like beat Gonzaga and beat Portland. And at the time, these like big schools that we weren't even competing with. And like that idea of like coming onto a team that I knew their team culture was like super fun. They had all these fun traditions. Mm-hmm. Everyone was friends, not around, around running, which is I learned is very common at many schools, but it was like cool to see on my visit. And the coach believed in me in a way that was like really inspiring for me. So I kind of had that. I didn't really look too heavily at the like schooling aspect of any of the schools, to be honest. I mainly was just like, <laughs> yeah. what, are, what are my friends going to be like? I'm on the team. Um, and Santa Clara fit the, the check for that. So kind of what caused me to fall in love with it. Are you someone who's attracted to like that kind of underdog mentality that you described at Santa Clara? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I would say definitely yes. Just because like, I don't know, I never, like in, in high school, I wasn't the best on my team. We were a very competitive team. And like, I didn't want to go join a team that was the best because I had this like fun rise from being someone who didn't care about running to somebody who cared about running and was like scoring for a team. And like, I kind of wanted that similar trajectory, but on a like college level. It's fun to build something rather than to just be a part of something. I think that's something that like, I'm doing now in my professional life. And I kind of find as like, like a, a motif of my entire life. It's like, it's fun to just like build something and create something. And Santa Clara had like, like it was just a good time to buy in. There was like something already built, but it was yeah. also the opportunity to like really build upon that. 
Yeah, that is so important. And I'm, I'm sure it's something that plays into your, your career is like find people that you want to build something cool with and like mm-hmm. that are all, you know, to your point earlier that are like passionate about something, even if they don't have like the competitiveness or mm-hmm. even the track record to do it, just like that belief. And if you're all in it together and you are motivated by fun, you're going to yeah. figure it out and you're yeah. going to have a lot of fun on the way. Yeah. <laughs> we, had, we had this saying, you can't love on hate or you can't run on hate. You have to run on love. It's kind of like jokey yeah. and now, like, you know, it's kind of funny, but like, there's more that you can't run on hate. Like if you really hate running, you'll just never be good. So... So tell us a little bit about like some of the kind of fun or like more fun team culture mm-hmm. stuff where there are training things that you did, fun runs that you did, workouts, yeah, yeah. or even like race traditions. Like what are mm-hmm. some of the memories that really like stick out to you when you yeah. think back? No, definitely. So like coming in freshman year, we had this Facebook page, which has since been changed to a more modern <laughs> version of that. But it was like you'd come in and you would like post updates about how your training's going. And I just remember like the first thing that they said was like, hey... For the freshmen that don't know yet, like start growing your mustaches now. And I was like, what? And like (laughs) everyone else knew this, but like on the team that kind of like, because generally when you look at a team, you would go look at the roster book. You think you'd fit in. But for some reason, I just never did that. So I had no idea this was coming. (laughs) And like our team had this tradition of like growing crazy facial hair and taking funny pictures for our roster picks. And they got really funny. They went viral last year. And some of the ones like two years ago were so bad that they canceled it and made us retake them. Like canceled in a sense of like, they weren't bad in like a offensive way. It was like people were like dyeing their hair and then like putting in eye drops right before photos. So it looked like they were crying and like just things that like the school was like, we can't have this represent us. But um, that was one. Um, We also, we had team camp, which was really fun, which like you guys would all understand because it was really like in the Bay Area. So like my freshman and sophomore year, we didn't have as big of a budget. So we would just go up to the Marin Headlands Mm -hmm. and there's this hostel. It's no longer a hostel. Now they only use it for workers, but it's like right at Rodeo Beach or Rodeo Beach. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but we would go there and our whole team would stay there. And it was just like super fun team bonding thing where we go for like three days and we just run in Marin and like, most teams would go up to altitude for their training camp, but like we just didn't have the budget. But then my junior year, as we were getting better and we started getting more funding from the school because it was like worthy of the investment, we would go to Tahoe. And it was like really cool to be there at the time where we got, I got both team camps and like the best half of like, because like there's some things you can't do. And like when we switched to Tahoe, it was like a time to like really sit and think about our traditions. Like, hey, what do we want to bring forward? What do we want to make new ones of? Which was really Mm -hmm. good for our team and definitely allowed us to grow. But it was also like a fun situation to be able to have had like old team camp and new team camp. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That that ability to to I mean that's part of building something, right? Is mm-hmm. like kind of doing things scrappily and then you get budget yeah. and you're like, okay, what still resonates? Like what yeah. is like replicable? Yeah. What still makes sense in new mm-hmm. venue? Yeah. Um what what races kind of stand out to you from from college? From Santa, yeah, from college, yeah. yeah. Um we had our so the Bronco invite was our home cross country meet. That was a really special one. I actually barely got to run it because Starting my junior year, we would travel our varsity team. As we started getting more funding, we would travel to wherever pre-nats was, which would always be the same weekend as our Bronco invite. But my sophomore year, I had this like super special memory where like I had started getting good. And I was like, that day happened to be our number one runner. I was usually somewhere between one and two. Um, maybe our number one runner was injured. I don't exactly remember. But I like had the opportunity to like win the race. And it was our home meet. And everybody was there. All the fans were there. And I like, I remember having this fun, funny memory of like, I'm like running the race and I see all of our fans and there's like a mile to go. And like, we're passing like the whole 
course was basically lined with fans, but we're like passing the section of all the like people I knew. And I like made a move and just like pulled into first and everyone went crazy. And then it was like a mile to go and I didn't want to be in first. So I immediately pulled back into like, <laughs> I, <love laughs> it. I got the moment of everyone going crazy and it's definitely a cool running memory. And then oh. I didn't know where the finish line was and I kicked and veered too far right and got third, I think. I don't know if I would have won anyway, but it was a home court advantage that I blew because I didn't pay attention in all the workouts we would do there. But that was a really you, you got what mattered, you know, yeah. you, you whooped up the crowd exactly. what mattered, That's and then you just sat back. Yeah. <laughs> and then another one was um, the Peyton Jordan track invite. I got into that as a freshman, which was really exciting because like didn't think I was going to get in. My coach entered me as like a, he probably won't get in, but we'll throw his name in the list. And I got the last spot in the race. And I remember like, okay, I was like, okay, it doesn't matter how I do. I have nothing to prove. I barely made it here. And uh, I was the slow heat of the steeple which was right after the fast heat of the 1500. Meaning as I'm walking onto the track, uh, Jakob Ingelbrigtsen was walking off the track. Matt Centrowitz was walking off the track. And all these like celebrities, I was like, it was crazy. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> and we was like, since it's our like close to Santa Clara, all of our fans would like drive out. And our whole team was there because like only me and one other person of our team qualified for it. And so like, they're like lining the backstretch and cheering the whole time. And it was really funny because I fell on the very first hurdle because I was a team chaser. And it was actually really good because I was probably all nervous. And then right as I fell, I like, and if you're going to fall, you want to fall on the first hurdle because you yeah. it's people and you're running slow enough where you can easily catch back up, especially if you still have energy. So like I immediately popped back up and got back into the race and actually still ran like two or three seconds off my PR, but like... Just every lap I go around, everyone's going crazy. And it was, it was a really fun memory. Definitely another core running memory. And then I got to run Payton Jordan every year from there on out, except for COVID. And it was the same thing. I would always PR and it was always like, it was, that was probably my favorite race I got to run throughout college. Did you ever get nervous? It sounds like you have so much support. I mean, oh, you mentioned yeah. maybe you're a little nervous and you fell, but like... Yeah, definitely. I feel like nerves is one thing. My coach would always be like, oh, Zach never gets nervous. But I was always in my mind like, Glad you think that. <laughs> like, I was always freaking out before races. Um, yeah, I, I think that's my least favorite part of running is the just nerves that come with it. I think some people are like, and I think it's really good for you. Like, I know it's good for me mm -hmm. to get that nervous and to get over it and to like push yourself to do it. But like, as I got better, like the whole week before the race was just like not ruined, but like it was on my mind the whole time. And I wasn't, I would be less productive in school and I'd be like, which is good because I was focusing on running, but like, definitely something that I cared about so much. And as you get more and more into college running, like I always had this battle, like I didn't want it to be too much of my personality, but I also was investing so much into it that like I cared so deeply that like you would be like, okay, like I don't want it to be so much of me where if it doesn't go well, I'm broken, but I also have to put enough into it because I really do want to do well. So I was yeah. like, always that fine line, but moral of the story is totally. yes, I'm very nervous. <laughs> What are the things you were nervous about? Like, was it one thing yeah. in, like, in particular of like, will I be able to hold this pace? Or is it like, yeah. will my spike fall off? Like, what are the things yeah. that... No, I honestly was never nervous of like falling or something going wrong. I was just like more nervous of like, I know it's going to hurt so bad and I know mm -hmm. I'm going to push myself as hard as I can. And like, oh, it hurts so bad. And like, I think I do a really good job of pushing myself, which is good when you're having a good race. But when you're having a bad race, it can be so painful. <laughs> and like, so I think I was, I'd be worried if like the bad day that you push through and still run okay, but it's just like traumatizing, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, oh, um, 100%. Like, yeah, what do you tell yeah. yourself when it hurts? Oh, uh, once I'm in the race, I'm chilling. I'm just like, 
I actually did like an art piece on like things I tell myself in a 5k. I don't remember exactly what I wrote, but I think it was like, it was like kind of a joke, but it was like, I basically just tell myself like, just keep going, another lap, another lap, keep going. And then I try to tell myself I'm feeling good. And then it's always kind of followed up by like, do I really? Because <laughs> I know I'm lying to myself. But like, I found that like, if you just say, oh, I'm feeling good, like you feel good, then like, it's easier to push through. I don't know, there's probably some psychology behind it, but... Yeah, useful, useful delusion. It's... Yeah. yeah delusion is powerful. Yeah. It works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, once I'm in a race, I would actually... I start feeling like... Like, I would always joke to myself that, like, the most confident I ever am is on the starting line. Mm-hmm. But the least confident I ever am is, like, 20 minutes before the starting line, which is a good, <laughs> a good thing to be, but it's a little bit scary sometimes. What do you think it is that, like, flips that switch? Because I think that's so common like it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if you're a 13 minute 5k mm-hmm. runner or a 30 minute 5k runner like i think yeah. a lot of people get really nervous before but once they're in the race yeah those nerves go away i mean ultimately away. it starts yeah. to hurt and you have to tell yourself to stay mm-hmm. in it but like but you're not nervous the nerves kind of like, you're not nervous anymore right yeah yeah i don't i don't know what it is it's just like i feel like it turns into like a performance almost like in the beginning it's like you've been preparing for this and it's something mm-hmm. you care about but like once you're there, you're like, okay, I'm just performing. Like I'm doing my thing. Like I know how to do this. This is what I've, this is what I do. Like I just run fast. So. Oh. And you do run fast. I, yeah, I try to We've seen that. It's, a, yeah. it's fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, in college, you, you served on part of the NCAA student athlete advisory committee, which I don't know that much about. So I'm, I'm curious if you can tell us a little bit about what that committee does, how you got involved in your experience on it. Yeah. So it's a committee put on by the NCAA and every school has their own chapter of it. Um, I didn't really know what it was when I joined either. I think most people honestly don't, but basically every school has their own chapter of it. And then you serve at a conference level. So like you would go meet with your whole conference and then the conference actually also elects their own representative and they'll go serve at the entire NCAA level. And basically your job is to kind of like represent your student body in decisions that the NCAA gets to make. So like they'll be making a rule change and they're like hashing out if like there should be 32 or 48 runners going to nationals. And then they'll be like, they all have their opinion, but they're not actually talking to anyone on the teams. And the teams are like, but we just want more people to go. And they're like, okay, we'll go for you. Like, so like that was kind of your main job, but you also got to put like, you know, you meet as a school, as a body, you have like, that's just the one representative, like the president would go to these meetings, but there's also like a vice president and a whole panel. And then there's like every team sends two people like at the school level. So at the school level, it's the same thing where you can assist in decisions the school would make, but you also kind of get to do whatever you want in your meeting time. And basically I joined as a sophomore, like the last weekend you could go, the person on our team who was a representative was graduating and they're like, you want to come? And I was like, sure, I'll tag along, see if I want to do it next year. And I showed up and no one was talking and it was really awkward. And I was like, what are people doing here? And I, whenever it's like in those situations, I tend to just like start, I don't know, I just like took it a bit more seriously. Like I brought forward some ideas of like what you could do having, you know, 30 people in a room together for an hour once a month. And I think they liked my ideas enough where I became vice president the next year, which was kind of awkward because in the next year I came in, I'd only been to one meeting and I was the <laughs> vice president, <laughs> but like no one was doing anything. So I was like, okay, I'll do something. Yeah. And then the next year was my senior year and the president that from the year before graduated and I became president that year. And so I got to do some cool things. I like changed the way it was all formatted because it was a bit, I thought part of the reason that no one cared was it was just like, 
basically the student body or the like the administration would choose the president and the vice president and the vice president would just become the president and no one really had any stake in the game. So I changed it to become a lot more like community based where you would vote on people and like you kind of got to create your own roles. And it was a lot more like, you know, like a social thing rather than like a very like leadership heavy thing. So I like actually probably took a lot of responsibilities off myself, but it wasn't out of like laziness. It just seemed like a fairer way to do it. Um, and then, yeah, we did a lot of cool things. We planned like cool events for like speakers would come. Like I planned like a job fair. I, one of our teams planned like, like an equity, diversity and inclusion uh, panel, which was really cool. And then I traveled to our like WCC conference and got to meet a ton of other people from their like different sports. And I still kind of talk to some of them around the world now. So this definitely was like, like a cool thing. Um, like a small part of my entire college career, but like something that was pretty cool to be a part of. Yeah. Do you think that helped like the transition after college into the quote unquote, like real world? I mean, you will talk about this a little bit more, but you essentially are like running your own business, mm-hmm. right? And yeah, no, definitely. Self-employed. Like, yeah. do you think that helped you? I think it did because I got to kind of manage a team basically at a, like an age where most people don't get to. And I got to kind of manage a team that in the beginning didn't care. And so I kind of got to realize what do people care about? What do people want to do? And then when I go to these bigger events, I would kind of see like the issues that the administration would have and why the reason that they're making it so nobody cares. And then I also would go to the conference level and I would see how like big sports networks are like negotiating. Like the reason that college sports is the way it is, is basically for tons of different reasons. But I got to see like the issues from the inside which was a cool perspective to have at such a young age, especially as someone who wanted to go and work in the sports world. So it kind of gave me also just a general understanding of like the hierarchy of different companies and the best ways to reach people. So I would say that's how it helped me the most is now I know how to get into a company and how to get your foot in the door for setting up meetings and trying to pitch things. And and it looks good on a resume and it makes people take me a little more seriously. So that's also not bad. <laughs> All good <laughs> things. Yeah. 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 But the like the gumption of just like stepping into and recognizing that people weren't taking it seriously, like mm-hmm. practicing that, mu- like knowing that you are someone who notices that and yeah. flexing that muscle early on. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember, you know, having that opportunity in some internships in college yeah. and realizing that it was there and then stepping into it and realizing like, oh, I'm I'm actually like pretty good at this. And like there's mm-hmm. power when people... Like people are responding to this, like yeah. <laughs> adults. <laughs> yeah, no, <that's laughs> a good yeah. yeah. And it was a good place to experiment. Like not everything I tried worked. There were definitely mm-hmm. sometimes where I'd have some idea like this is going to like, people are going to be like wanting to do this thing. And I bring it up and people are like, no. And I was like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> cool. Like it gave me the ability to get good at pivoting, which was yeah. also helpful. Yeah, no, it was definitely like a good way to learn leadership skills. At the end of the day, I think that's probably the main experience I pulled from it and probably the main reason other than like to speak for students that it still exists. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's important at like every level. Mm -hmm. I mean, you think about like different athlete councils for USATF or like IOPC or whatever, like the, the athlete's voice is probably still somewhat marginalized, but incredibly important. It it also kind of was a bit, it made me realize that like, they're bringing in the athlete perspective doesn't mean they're listening to the athlete perspective. Mm. And it made me realize, it made me lose a lot of faith in like how a sport can be fixed. Like I'm sure everyone in the running world is like, this is what we have to do to fix track and field or fix, you know, make like, like this running thing the biggest thing. And I was like, after going to these events, I'm like, wow, the issues go so much deeper. Like it all comes down to like, in the end, it almost always comes down to money and like mm-hmm. things aren't going to change when it comes down to money most of the time. 
which was sad to see, but you can still like input, like change can happen. It's just like less radical and quick than you always want it to be. Um, or like figure out a way to make the money. Yeah. Usually like a company that's making a lot of money doesn't want to change the way they're making money because right. it might be risky. And then, uh, right. yeah, but it was, it was interesting in that perspective to go in and, you know, hear these big networks, hear how the TV deals work and like mm-hmm. hear how like basketball at our school basically funds every sport and how we go into these meetings. And it's like basketball, like whatever we can do to get basketball to be our best sport, like every decision, like if it's a decision about track and field, but there's some minor caveat that might affect basketball. All we're looking at is basketball. Mm. And our athletic director would come to us and be like, this is it. But then they would explain like, look, if our basketball team is better, your budget goes up. Right. right. And, I'm like, right. <laughs> yeah. and that, yeah. I mean, then that's the business world. Like, yeah. and people might not like that, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, yeah, like that's, yeah. you have I think to I'm understand the that, that yeah. doesn't like that, but it was, good. it was like <laughs> extra important for me to go see it. Yeah. yeah, definitely. How did you pick Steeple? We, I feel like we barely, we've yeah. talked about a lot of like things yeah. that we haven't even really I know, talked I about, like, like your events minute, and running. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so no. like how did you pick that and does it yeah. still feel important? Like, yeah, just curious. Yeah. Like, so I picked Steeple because as you know, I did like trampoline videos when I was younger. So I was like a bouncy acrobatic kid. Um, and I'm at track practice one day. We're doing like a workout and like a thing that I always knew, which is just kind of, which is funny, but like, if I can do a backflip that day, that means I'm like feeling really good. Like I'm feeling really bouncy and my legs are strong. And like, I think there was one workout like freshman year, which is like looking back, it's probably like, if anyone, I would like make fun of a freshman so hard for doing this. But like, I think I just like pulled off a backflip on a stride one day. I was just like feeling myself. And my coach was like, steeple. <laughs> and I was like, okay, <laughs> like anything to not do the 10K. <laughs> like, cause that was my worry was he was going to have me do the 10K. And I loved it. It's like the best event on in track, in my opinion. Like everyone's got their thing, but like yeah. you get to run 10K pace and you only have to do it for nine minutes. It can't really get much better than that. Yeah. I'm imagining a new event where there's like a trampoline right yeah. before the barriers. Yeah, I don't I, know how that yeah. works. <laughs> yeah. You get a judge panel out there giving you a score on how you're That's right. Yeah. yeah, That that's factored into your overall time. It's mm-hmm. kind of like... Like freestyle skiing mm-hmm. and snowboarding, but freestyle yeah. freestyle chase. Chase. Yeah. yeah. Like you get some conversion based on how cool your tricks are to your time. Throughout. Right. That's yeah. going to be an yeah. Olympic event in like 2030 yeah. something. You, you heard it here first. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to present it to USATF mm-hmm. yeah. and to yeah. World Athletics. Yeah. Yeah. But, how did... How did um, How's like your creativity? You are now mm-hmm. a designer. We haven't really talked about this. Um, yeah, yeah. And an art and an artist. So mm-hmm. throughout college, how is um, how is kind of I don't know what you majored in. Like, is that yeah, is that a forefront? Right. Is that something that you're cultivating? And how is kind of that developing? Yeah. yeah so I, I came in to Santa Clara planning on studying physics, but I wasn't doing that well. I wasn't like failing, but like I was, I was like a B student. Like, you know, I was B getting C's occasionally, like, which was like kind of average, but like, I didn't stand out in any way. And I was just like looking at the jobs that go with that. And I was like, I don't want to go into research. Like I find this really interesting, but like, I don't want to spend my whole day sitting at a desk. And I'd always loved art. I had like taken every graphic design course you could take in high school. And I had actually independent studied in it my like senior year. But like, I never considered that a career option. I don't know why. It just like never passed my brain. But then 
sophomore year, I started looking into like, we had this thing called design your own major and it, it's cool. But basically I just used it as a way to take all the classes that I wanted to take in college. I was like, I want to take a couple engineering courses, a couple marketing courses, which was actually like really beneficial. So I, my mate, I ended up getting a double major. I did design your own major. I called it product design, but it was basically like hodgepodge classes. I want to take, write a paper about how it relates to one subject and then get it approved. And it was closest related to product design, but like, I don't know if it really was product design, but, and then I don't had studio art as my other, other major. Yeah. But, um, I don't know, running and creativity have always kind of gone hand in hand. It's just like things that I like enjoy at a very like, like original level. Like I've always loved to be outside and jumping around and like exercising. And I've always loved to like draw. Like, I feel like they're like things every child likes to do. Every kid's like drawn fun shapes and like, that like childlike joy was something that I like didn't want to lose as I got older and was something I kind of thought about and was like, so that's where I got more into like art. And when I was, um, my junior year, when class COVID happened, classes all went online and my professor that I was really close with basically was like, you have to make an Instagram. Like that's your project. Like in today's day, if you want to be an artist, you need an Instagram. If you don't have one, make it. I feel so old right now. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Great. I, I mean, but it was, it was a thing he started in COVID. Like he had never done this before, but it yeah. was like, you had to submit your work online. So it's like, if you're already making your work, already making it into a PNG to like submit via online, might as well upload it online. Like this isn't going to hurt you. And I wish I had started my Instagram earlier. So I'm very grateful that he did that. But yeah, so that was kind of how like I started getting more into like taking it more seriously. It was just like, I made some art and some people liked it. And I was like, oh, that's a, that's a good feeling. So yeah. I mean, Instagram like essentially becomes a portfolio. Yeah. In a way to totally highlight yourself. I'd love to talk more about your art because I find it like I made some comparisons when I reached out and I wasn't mm-hmm. just trying to like stroke your ego. It's so good. And <laughs> like that's a really reductive way to say it. But yeah. it almost feels like you're doing some mixed media stuff with like mm-hmm. photography and yeah. drawing, but adding in like you talked about kind of the thoughts you have. Yeah. In a 5K. So there's like some conceptual components. And then I just saw you yeah. just posted something today that was like like cutouts. So can yeah. you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of my running or a lot of my artwork, it has to do with running, but it has to do with running more just as I was kind of talking about that, like, you know, that, that like childlike joy that you get from running is something that like I try to like replicate into my artwork basically. And for me, the thing I really love is running. So a lot of that, like something that's easy to like express that type of joy you get mm-hmm. goes into running a lot, but it kind of, I've been trying to take the art side a lot more seriously recently, which has been really fun to do. Like, I'm sure that makes sense why it'd be so fun, but I have like a film camera, I have a digital camera. I have all the like, um, I like as my background comes from design, like the way I approach a lot of projects is very design heavy, which is good and bad. As I talk to people, I'm like trying to break that sometimes, but also sometimes it's really beneficial. So a lot of the multimedia stuff comes because of that, which is really cool because I can take these photos and I'm like, okay, I'm going to like draw over it. But I have some, at this point, I have like tons of different mediums I've gone into. I like those paper cutups, which is what you were just talking about, where I like painted paper and then cut it out and like overlaid it. I had a whole block printing phase that I'm still definitely in. I did like 10 or so block prints and they're really fun. When I was at USA's, um, we were talking about this a little bit before podcast was recording, but I did some like paintings there. That was really fun. I just like showed up. I like just drove eight hours with a ton of art supplies, somehow got free tickets and just sat in the stands for like eight hours a day painting, which was really cool. 
Um, They're beautiful. But like for people who don't know, like, please go check these out. We'll, we'll link it in the pod. But I, I think that that like, I was so like inspired, tickled, like mm-hmm. they, they captured I don't know, the the feeling of being a spectator, of like loving something, of the movement. Yeah, they, yeah it was a very cool series. Yeah. No, it, it's it's fun. It's definitely really fun to like explore the art side because you kind of like, you know, you're like trying to have a business that's very design heavy and like, you know, having brands like reach out to me and sponsor me to make art for them. But in order to do that, I also have to have my own artwork that proves that like I can just make cool things, which is a really fun excuse to just get to make whatever I want every couple of days. Um, but yeah, no, I have some like artwork that I'm really happy with and I have a lot of artwork that I'm not very happy with, but I post all of it online. <laughs> so everyone's seen it all. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think that's yeah. part of being an artist. Is just it is, like... yeah. You have to post everything because yeah. there's so many things that I hate that sell really well or that I hate mm. that a brand reaches out to me and is like, can we do something like this? And I'm like, really? That one? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you say so. Like... But no, I definitely, and I'm glad you said that it kind of shows that like the way it's a B2B spectator and the way it is to really love something. Cause that's kind of like what I try to get at with my artwork is this like, I feel like everything in the world is like very like numbers based and like on Instagram, it's all about likes and comments and like call your insurance company and you're just a number and everything's so like trying to like bog you down. And I feel like the like most authentic thing to me is that like childlike love you can have for something. And that's like kind of the feeling I try to put into my artwork. And so commonly it's about running. When I was a kid, I was obsessed with pandas. So you'll see a lot of panda motifs in there and like <laughs> random things. And like, there's a lot of motifs as you dig deeper into it. But like, yeah, it's been really fun to kind of dive into that. I think the the collage part definitely for me evokes the like the childlike part of it. You know how like, I don't know, as a kid, like even with my best friends, like it would be their birthday yeah. and you like cut out things from a magazine yeah. and make them like a cool card. Totally, you know, yeah. as an adult, like I, I get self-conscious doing that. Yeah. but like, you still love my friends that way. You know, like, yeah, there's something exactly. so like, like, <laughs> yeah, like... The world can bog you down, but it can never take that away from you. Like that's right. still like a very human thing to have. Um, yeah. So like, that's that's it. That's like what it's all about. It's just like trying to like do that thing that no one really wants you to do because it's like not a social norm, but it's still so fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If running and pandas inspire mm-hmm. you as a, as a subject matter, like... Yeah. Who are some of the artists that that inspire you or that you yeah. take um, take cues from? Yeah, so there's an artist based from Santa Barbara. His name is DJ Javier. Um, mm-hmm. He is incredible. If he actually just designed the Santa Barbara half marathon medals, which is a very like oh, niche cool. thing, and I'm like, he got into my world of running, and I was like fanning out over it. I was like, oh my god, that's so cool. <laughs> but like his artwork, he's not that big. He's not that small. He's worked with like brands like Stance and I think he did some stuff with the LA Rams like he's big but he's so cool I think his work and if you look at his work and you look at mine you'll see some inspiration um there's another Brian right now Will Bryant who's from Austin Texas um he's big in the biking world but his work's just like very childlike which I think is why I like it so much it's like fun shapes and colors and he's done a lot of stuff with like Rafa and other biking brands yeah. and it's just like designing jerseys for them and um he did stuff for austin fc the like soccer team where he like did a huge yeah. mural on their field he's incredibly inspirational um and then obviously like through my santa clara art history classes i learned about all the like contemporary artists and a lot of it focuses on like you know the white european artists because that's what art history at santa clara happened to focus on um but I mean, picasso was very inspirational matisse 
um, Kandinsky, all the like classic abstract-ish artists, constructivist-ish artists I found really interesting. I wish I learned more about other types of art. I'm like trying to like find ways to like take more art history and learn it. But like, I don't know, it's hard to learn things once you graduate in, in a way. I was an art history, I was an art history major. I can just really? like tell you what art, art. which isn't much because I graduated a long time ago. Yeah, literally <laughs> if I could go back and tell myself one thing, it would be like, don't be a product design double major double major in art history. That's all that matters. <laughs> like art history. Like, but, I mean, probably wasn't beneficial. I learned a lot in my marketing classes and my like engineering classes. But looking back, like the art history classes were so cool to me now as I've gotten more into art and I'm looking at all these different artists and I'm like, I feel like I'm a step behind having only taken like five art history classes rather than 10, you know? But how cool like to have something that, that can be like lifelong learning. You know, I feel mm-hmm. like so many people and as an adult, like you kind of stop having that like, desire that drive to like learn and your work is creating a reason for you to be like oh shit like I want to like go back and like learn this stuff and yeah no definitely it is and especially as the art history world branches out of being very like white European heavy there's so much more to learn about like I took one class that was all on Japanese Korean Chinese art history Mm, but like it was probably my favorite art history class to learn about and I definitely pull some inspiration from all those artists that I learned about, which is cool. And there's a lot of European yeah. artists that drew inspiration oh, from... totally. Like Picasso's big thing yeah. is he like, he stole... A, I don't feel or inspired. I don't know how you want to word it, but like a lot of his paintings are heavily inspired from like African sculptures. Mm-hmm. And like when right. you see them and then see his paintings, you're like, oh, that's like, I see it. <laughs> like, yeah. But, yeah. Which is cool. But also like, you know, these, these painters were looking at other not just European painters. So we should learn about everybody. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I love, I love, well, I'm looking at your Instagram right now and I see like mm-hmm. the, the Denver nuggets is definitely like mm-hmm. a cubist piece. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it's no, great. Very cubist. <laughs> yeah. Very cubist. But uh-huh. like, even in the stuff that you posted right after um, the Oakland Twilight 5000, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh. there's like some Basquiat in here with like the drawing and the colors and then like with the words like some of it I was saying like and I I studied a lot of like Ed Ruscha my senior year of college and like helped with the next like an exhibit um but a lot of it like reminded me of that of just sort of like you're not even your subconscious but like Mm -hmm. or maybe your subconscious like yeah bringing that to light and like the use of words and maybe even like some Lichtenstein in there in terms of like again like I'm not up to date on like current cool artists because I'm Mm -hmm. old but like that's what I I I studied in college the the current artists are just looking at the older artists and doing their own that's true their own inspirations and versions yeah so I remember I had to write a paper on like Damien Hirst and I was like I'm out yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, no. I feel like I'm also, you get now there's like, I mean it's probably was always the case, but there's all these artists that are just like making things big and to make money. And it's like there's no meaning behind that. You just want to put that in a gallery in a museum for like ten thousand dollars. Like right. Yeah, like I don't know. There's the guy that makes where metal balloon dogs. Oh like, yeah. I, oh yeah. The um Yeah. Uh oh my god. Why am I, I, I should know making his name on his too. name? But I don't know. I, I feel like, it. yeah. Oh yeah. We're, we're both doing our art history schooling, <laughs> but I don't know. 
Because they have oh. a sculpture at the, at the roof of the Met. Yeah. yeah. They do. Um, oh, it's yeah. Jeff Koons. It's Jeff, Jeff Koons. Koons. Yeah. He also, Koons. Yeah. so he yeah. does the balloon sculptures. And then actually yeah. down in, in LA, in Southern California, there's like in sort of like the edge of Santa Monica and Venice, there's this apartment, this apartment building. Mm-hmm. And there's like this huge clown yeah. is wearing ballet slippers, but it's like yeah. this huge sculpture in front of a, an apartment building. That's a Jeff yeah. Koons. It's pretty yeah. iconic, but yeah. yeah. He's very famous, but I'm sure he has deeper meaning and I'm just missing it. But like, to me, it just um, screams like capitalism. Like I think, tons I of think money. the deeper meaning <laughs> to the balloon animals and the scale is capitalism. Yeah, of like, a, yeah, yeah. I don't have to do anything. I have a workshop that can do <laughs> yeah. this, but like, yeah, even the art it. isn't how much yeah. money I can make. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, yeah. mm, it, it doesn't anger me, but I'm like, it angers me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm not really angry, but I'm like, okay. Like, well, when you get deeper into your um, adulthood or post-grad mm-hmm. art history curriculum, you'll get into like art criticism and what is the meaning of art and when is it art and when is it not? And like, what's yeah. the line and the threshold? And then your brain starts to explode and you're like, yeah. maybe I just want to go for a run. Yeah. So maybe I, maybe I got out of art history at just the right time. <laughs> you right? have gotten out. Right? Crazy inspired, at just but never the right time. had a ruin. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. What has the the kind of transition, we've alluded to it, but, you know, transition mm-hmm. from college, being a student, being a collegiate mm-hmm. athlete to now you are an entrepreneur and yeah, a runner? Definitely. Well, I probably had the most gradual transition out of college of anyone I've ever met. And I'm like, I'm very grateful for that because it sounds like a very hard transition for many people. But I had a fifth year of running because of COVID. And then I moved up to San Francisco um, but during my fifth year, my coach was amazing. I already talked about him a tiny bit, but he offered me like I could keep living in San Francisco, but run cross and I could get a grad degree as well. I, so I like had to take online classes over the summer. I had to like basically take my grad program and like fast forward to get it done in time. But like mm-hmm. I could live in San Francisco and they would like continue giving me a scholarship and I could run cross country, which was like the best outro to college running to just like get a victory lap, like have get to live like in the city with my friends and actually start being an adult, but like also get to run and still maintain like friendships with my teammates. And so I had that. And as I was going through that, I started thinking about, you know, what type of jobs I want to apply for. I'm like in this master's degree for marketing and like I could go into the marketing world and they're like doing workshops and, you know, having speakers come in and talk about jobs you could get. And like, I had worked at an agency throughout college and I was like, I'd always kind of been like, there's nothing they're doing that I couldn't do on my own. I just don't have a like brand, you know, like design agencies are like, like the ones that are doing huge projects for these big companies are just like, they just have a lot of money and they can do cool things because they have a lot of money. And I'm like, I don't have a lot of money, but I could do cool things. So like, and I had an Instagram account that had, you know, a couple, like at the point it was like a thousand, basically a thousand followers. And I kind of was like, well, if there's a time to try it, you know, why not? There's like, it could go terrible. And then I just apply for jobs. And I was also thinking like, this is only going to make applying for jobs easier. It's basically just networking. Because if I wanted to do a job, I would want it to be somewhat in the running world. So I was like, if you know, if I'm going to all these running events and I'm going to USA's to meet these people, whether I'm trying to meet them as Lidoff Studios or I'm trying to meet them as Zach Lidoff because I need a job, it's the same thing in five years from now. So like... I kind of just like started regimenting my like work days. I was like, I'm gonna try to post three times a week. I'm gonna like tell all these people what I want to do. And I had a couple clients, like I designed t-shirts for someone. And in the beginning, it was a little rough, but I got really lucky. And the San Francisco area hired a new Eakin that happened to follow me on Instagram. Her name's Erin. She's amazing. Um, 
And she like sat, she like called me. I was like, you want to get coffee? And she was like, you want to like do some projects for me? And I was like, I'm down. And then she showed her entire team. And now like Nike kind of became like my most steady client. And now I've worked with like Hoka. Um, I'm doing a lot of stuff for them right now. I'm working, I've worked with New Balance, doing some more stuff with them now on a little bit. Um, and then just like also as that kind of grows, you know, you get more followers and people outside the running world contact you. And you like, I've started to build a bit of like a, a brand recognition, which has been incredibly helpful. And it's not like, you know, Lidoff Studios is like making a ton of money. Like I'm definitely not if that's what, what it sounds like, but I'm making enough to live in San Francisco and like wake up and draw and then do what I and go for a run and like live the dream for the time being. So eventually I might transition out and, you know, get a, a quote unquote real job, but I love what I'm doing at the moment. So no end in sight. That's awesome. That That's like incredible. I think mm-hmm. that... Yeah, I got really lucky. People, as well. yeah. I had a coach that allowed me to spend an extra year. A coach that would like pay for my grad school. I had like friends that would support me. And they were like, a lot of it is like privilege and luck as well. But like, I'm very happy that I'm in the situation I'm in and get to do what I'm doing. So. Well, and talent. I mean, yes. you're incredibly talented. Hard work, work, yeah. Yeah. And I'm wondering too, like you're doing, so you're doing a lot of work with those brands, which is obviously mm-hmm. you're able to be creative, but you're bringing mm-hmm. their vision to life. Yeah. I'm curious, like asking for a friend, really asking for myself. Cause I'm like, mm-hmm. man, I want to hire you to like yeah. make some actual art for me. Yeah. Like, because I don't know, you look out there and you're like, I don't want to order this poster from art.com because it's yeah, crap. Yeah. And like everyone has you know, same. the same thing on their wall, right? Totally. Like, do you ever see yourself like getting into galleries or... Yeah, that's my dream. Yeah. I want to get into galleries. It's hard. Um, the gallery, that, that's one of the reasons I started taking like fine art more seriously. In the beginning, a lot of my work is very digital. And I've like kind of drafted a like strategy for how to get into galleries. I have no idea if it's going to work. <laughs> but like part one of the strategy was to create more like art that I feel like art critics respect, which is the paintings and the block prints and the multimedia work. And rather than using digital camera, using a film mm-hmm. camera and like little changes like that, as well as like, I've written an artist statement, which I have mm-hmm. nowhere to put it, but if anyone wants it, I have it. Like I've done the thing. So I'm prepared mm-hmm. for when the moment comes. But my dream eventually would be to be in galleries. I don't know how profitable that is. So like, maybe I still have to run Lidoff Studios as a design agency, but like, I feel like if, if I could just wake up and run and then make art, whatever I wanted every day, like... Obviously, that's the dream. Like, yeah. That's but, cool. Does Santa Clara have like a, a museum or a gallery? They do. I haven't reached out. They they sometimes show stuff in their art building. Like they have a mm-hmm. pretty cool building for art. And I've I've had shows in there when I was in college. And I think they do alumni shows, but I haven't reached out. Probably should. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. I like. I feel like breaking into the gallery space is hard until you've done it, which is how any industry mm-hmm. is. It's the same way. Like. I got really lucky and got one Nike business and now I get tons of running world businesses. Like you just have to be prepared for when that moment comes, and, you know, totally. the groundwork and talk to the people and go to the shows and talk to the friends and, you know, just be around the block and then hopefully the time comes. I also feel like, sorry, not to like get yeah. it all a geeky yeah. ideas, but you could yeah. also like, you know how you go to like coffee shops or even doctor's offices mm-hmm. and there are paintings on the wall and you can buy yeah. them. It's like, put your stuff in like, so yeah, just a running company or yeah, like no, a I, I coffee. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. There's a there's one running store or not running store, one like store right now called the the Fate. They're on um they just opened up and they do they have like a concert venue underground, really cool spot. Um yeah. and they just reached out to me 
So I actually have some artwork in there. So it's not nice gallery per se. It's like, I don't know how they would define themselves. It's, it's kind of like one of those like park life-esque stores, except mm-hmm. then they also sell, they also host concerts and like do events underground. What was it called? Sorry, I missed it. It's called The Fate. The f- okay. Fate. Yeah, the fate. it's a pretty cool space. Um, there's some cool artists in there. Um, the owners awesome. are super yeah. cool. There are a ton of like climbers and oh, servers and runners and yeah, they're cool people. They just moved here. So I don't know how in the running world they are, but maybe. Yeah. Renegade running also kind yeah. of feels like a gallery. Like that's yeah, such a it cool does. space. I walk, it yeah. totally does. Yeah. I could hit up the Victor and be like, let me, let me show some stuff. <laughs> yeah, cool. That's what I got to do. I got to do more of just like asking people if I can just throw up artwork in their stores. Yeah. I'm sure people would be like, sure. It's yeah. yeah. rad. Yeah. It highlights like the amazing mm-hmm. sort of like diversity and talent and like thought that the Bay Area running community yeah. is no. doing. It's like, which yeah. is really cool. No, Bay Area running community is really cool. I've like just moved here within like now I'm like one year is like roughly like three weeks ago. And I'm like, that's why I'm like very honored by this podcast because I'm like, oh my God, like I'm just now very, like I'm had my, like I'm barely a part of the community, but like I'm starting But we're to claiming you. We're claiming yeah, you. Claim you. you. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry, Boulder. <laughs> yeah, get out of here, Boulder. You have enough. <laughs> yeah. I'm established for a San Francisco community member. Yeah. They're not San Francisco, all of Bay Area. Because I yeah. know Oakland people and San Jose and yeah. No, so we have a couple minutes left. Um, mm-hmm. Just as you think about like your relationship with running, mm-hmm. you know, we can go 30 or 40 years out, but even just in the next couple of years, like what are, what are some big hopes and dreams? Yeah. Well, I'd say my running career is definitely not over, but I'm like right now, the way I do workouts is I just start running threshold pace and I decide if I want to keep running threshold pace, if I want to go faster so I'm like very living in the moment, which is kind of what I'm doing in the running scene. But I have like plans. Like I want to do some indoor races. I want to do some road races. I eventually think it'd be really fun to do the marathon. I'm not there. But I think maybe for 20, try to get the 2028 standard. Because I got time. I'm, I'm young. I can do that in like three years, maybe. Maybe I'll try to go for the USA time for the steeplechase. I've been close. I don't know what the, the standard is that they just released. But I was like, my time is close. It's like, you know, I'll shoot for it maybe. Um, but basically I'd say my rough plan is until I transition to steeple, probably stick to roads and tracks. Although there are some people like trying to convince me to switch to the trails and I see the appeal because I run up, I've gone to like some of the tam runs and like, that's really fun. Uh, (laughs) like I, I see the appeal, like, and like the community's sick in the trail scene. And like, I just don't want to do ultras, but like you guys know Patty, I think you talked to him. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, he's been trying to sell me on some of the sub ultra races, and they seem pretty cool. So I'm not sure exactly what my like trajectory is, but I want to go compete at races for the next couple of years and then do the marathon. What those races are, I'm figuring out. Yeah, nice. But, yeah, Love it. we didn't even get into your your experience at the the Twilight um, series this summer, but oh, yeah. you did run against. Uh, against Patty at the, the SF yeah. race. And that was very fun. To, I think to Patty's performance was more impressive to me. <laughs> I think he had the most impressive performance of the day. <laughs> I was mind blown. He showed up without super shoes, yeah. called his shot breaking 15. I was like, he's not breaking 15. And then he did it. He did <laughs> it. Yeah. 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 He, he grinded it out. I think he showed up in like, just, yeah, they weren't trail like, shoes, but they were yeah. like road shoes that I think he said later had like, way too many miles in them. Yeah. 
He was like, I don't even know if they were hit. He told me the story about it on a run. I was yeah. like, because I had DM'd him before. He had told me he was going to try to break 50. And I was like, well, did you get some super shoes? And he was like, no. no. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, like break it. Like, I don't like, I could probably do it, but like, I would never try to run faster than 15 minutes without super shoes on. Like that just sounds hard. <laughs> like, right? like hard mode, extra hard yeah. mode. Yeah. But he did it. Yeah. 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 He did it. And he mm-hmm. and he made it look fun. Also, he it did have a grimace face. It did look hard. He did. But he did I was gonna say he he was yeah. in he was he hurting. Was yeah. Yeah. But he raised money for a good cause. He did. He did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So so patty. Okay, mm-hmm. Zach, let is let's wrap up with some fun rapid fire questions. Cool. Are you ready? I'm ready. Um, what's your where's your favorite place to go for a long run in the bay? In the bay. Um if you count it, Nicene Marks in Santa Cruz. Yes. I don't know if that's the bay. But we call it, yeah. Okay, then that. That place oh. is gorgeous. We would go there as a team. And it's now so far from me that I don't go, but it has a special place in my heart. Mm-hmm. So pretty. Yeah. Oh, I love that place. Um, yeah. If you could go on a long run with anyone, who would it be? Yeah. Um, I would say probably like the Lost Boys group from New York and like the Marathi. I hung out with him at USA's and was just like, Wow, he's a really cool person. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, was like inspired. So probably them. Yeah. You have like a dream race, a goal race. Um, no, I don't. But if I was to try to think of, uh, well, I'm running the Boston Marathon. I'm not going to race it probably, but I'm going to it. I would say like the world majors in marathon, trying to yeah. knock them out at some point in my life is like a dream. It sounds expensive and like a lot of traveling, but like I got a lot of time. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Mimi's about to go to Berlin. Oh, congratulations. Are you running it? Thanks. Yeah. Yay. Jeez, I have a friend running it. It's so fun. I'm jealous. It, Berlin sounds so cool. It should be great. It's yeah. expensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, like, I, was, I like just signed up for Boston and I was like, oh, wow. But <laughs> well, I guess with the flights, it's as yeah. expensive as Boston, but Boston just gets crazy because those flights are expensive. And then like the whole hotel situation, know, like, don't like, get just book your life. hotel now. Yeah. yeah, Like you should have actually booked your hotel like four months ago. I know. Book, book them now. Know. I'm <laughs> worried. I'm like, maybe I'll just like ask for some friends. <laughs> yeah. Or do that. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. Yeah. But yeah, probably the world majors would be my answer. Yeah. Uh, do you have a, a dream art collab? I'm going to go DJ Javier from Santa Barbara. Nice. He's just cool. If I ever got to like collab with him, I would be like, I would be very honored. So yeah. Shout out. Mm-hmm. Okay. My last favorite question, burger, burrito, or pizza? Yes. I was prepared for this. I'm big, <laughs> big team burrito. Um, yes. I had a feeling. Had yeah. A feeling. Heavy team burrito. Yeah. <laughs> By a mile. <laughs> yeah. I like the other ones. The burritos are just like the best food. I think I just did an art piece about trying to run with two burritos. Nice. And what that would look like. Yeah. Like carrying them? Yeah. No, so no, that's, no. that's the basic way. I came up with some like, creative <laughs> ways. <laughs> Do you have a favorite place? Um, there's a place in by Santa Clara called Dia de Pesca. They do like fish burritos, but 10 out of 10. And if anyone listening has any burrito recommendations anywhere in the Bay, send them to me. I love burritos. So always nice. down to here. Uh, nice. Well, Zach, this has been so fun. Thank yeah. you for for hopping on, for sharing. Um, it was so fun to see you race at Twilight, and we hope to see you racing all over the place in the Bay. Yeah, um, I'm sure you, you are now ours. <laughs> yeah, so I'm glad to be coming. I'm a Bay Area runner. I've made it. 
<laughs> you did it. You did it. Um, yeah. Thanks for sharing your creativity and, and your running. It is, it is true childlike joy watching mm-hmm. you do both. So thank yeah. you for sharing thank it you. with us. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Honored to be here. Thank you for listening to this episode with Zach Litoff. You can find Zach on Instagram at Zach Litoff and you can find his design account on Instagram at Litoff Studios. If you would be so kind, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Send us a message, runnersofthebay at gmail.com. DM us on Instagram, however you want to get in touch. We love hearing from you. Some of our favorite interviews have been from people who have just emailed us and said, hey, I want to be on your podcast. Here's my story. And just the broadening of the community beyond maybe what we see on Instagram or who it seems obvious to reach out to, I think helps create more connections. And we've heard stories of of people who, because they've heard one thing from a guest, have decided to look at their own running in a different way or have reached out to an expert that we've spoken to. And it's those stories and those connections that are why we did this and what's really most meaningful. And we want to make sure that we're sharing them. So never, never hesitate to reach out. Again, we love hearing from you. We love getting to know everyone. And we're just so tremendously grateful for this community. Thanks. And we'll talk to you soon.